As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Do we owe Matt Target an apology, Liam? Why do we owe Matt Target an apology, Connor? <laughs> there are people calling for it. <laughs> Look, I'm I'm not I'm not going to cave if you don't want to cave. But um, what, you what, know, what would I be apologising for? <laughs> if if hang on hang on if by the end of this podcast I say that Matt Target had a bad game tonight, then I'll apologise for that. <laughs> But every time I've said my target was shite, it was shite. Hi guys, Jack Greenish here. Uh, delighted to say that I've signed a new deal with Aston Villa. That morning sky gave me a love. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. And I chalked a line south down the coast. Liverpool, Leicester, Arsenal. Is there no one else? Is there no one else? Oh, like, oh, after that game there, like they, they fell into the usual bit of analysis. And it's only when you get it from an outside perspective that it really validates your your inner belief. So they started asking, what was wrong with Arsenal tonight? And Lynn, my girlfriend, was just standing up, packing away her stuff. She didn't care. Like, she, like, she knew to put on her headphones after the McGinn goal and I was celebrating and she was delighted and then it just turned into the grumpiest fucker of all time and she knew she didn't want to have any part of tonight. She always knows anyway when there's a game on but um, because I, I just, I'm just different. I'm just nervous before like like the morning of the game she'll know there's, there's a match on but anyway uh, she was standing up packing away her stuff. She heard them talking about what was wrong with Arsenal even though Villa just won 3-0 and she said maybe Villa were just good and I was like, exactly, exactly, 
I've heard this after the Leicester game. What was wrong with Leicester tonight? What was wrong with Liverpool tonight? Maybe we all just need to start accepting that Villa are a good team. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe we need to accept as well that we're not going to get any great insight from Steve McManaman, Michael Owen, Andy Townsend. Uh, yeah, no, Villa were absolutely brilliant. I mean, they corrected all the issues from the last two games. They committed to a game plan in attack and defence. We said last week that they would learn a lot of lessons from the, the Leeds and Southampton's games, and we were right. They did. Well, sorry, I say we. I mean, I said it last week. Pretty sure you were you were talking about losing every game 3-0 for the rest of the season. <laughs> well, I'm calling this section the of all time section. Starts off, is Ollie Watkins the greatest striker of all time? Jesus, he was fucking brilliant. We have we have found a striker. We've got a striker in our hands. And you know, last year we were we were trying to, you know, what see what was good about Samagol, what was good about Wesley, oh. trying to be trying to be positive about it. But Christ almighty, whenever you see someone like Ollie Watkins, you just realise, ah right. We were only playing with ten men last year. He's so I fucking good. That just turned my stomach. You mentioned him. I was like, oh my God, how bad are we? Like just a couple of months ago. Oh, we had El Ghazi up front. Yeah. It was insane. Uh, and like, the first time we saw we saw Watkins, we were really, really enthused by his, by his instincts, by his movements. And we saw that tonight for the second goal. But even... The start of the game, the first half, his, his touch was insane. It's ridiculous. Like just dropping balls out of the sky and killing them dead and playing the right pass or holding it up, running past the defender. Just his touch, his instincts, that knowing what to do whenever he does it. The amount of people whose first touch is good, but it's always it's always the wrong thing to do. He takes a touch and then decides what to do based on how the, the field has opened up because of his touch. He's such a good fucking player. I I genuinely think that he controls bad balls better than anybody that I've seen, and and, and that is not hyperbole. Like, and we've seen this a lot with Ireland. Like, we we know the value of somebody who can control a bad ball when your team's under pressure. He, he traps it underneath his studs. Like, do you ever notice like Douglas Luiz is so Brazilian? His first touch is always uh, with the bottom of his sole. Like, he rolls over the top of the ball, no matter what sort of balls played to him he'll put his foot on the ball. It's just it's a lovely trait for a Brazilian. Mm. And that's the way Watkins, like, yeah, we talked about his head before, how it cushions every single thing that comes towards him. His chest is so strong, and then he just traps every ball dead underneath him. I, I haven't seen that before. Like, let, let's get into this here, because it was actually just for a bit of the analysis. This was when it was 1-0, right? And I was expecting, expecting shit to hit the fan at any stage. And I had written down, like, how frustrated should Ollie Watkins be? Tonight, so like obviously, like you can still tell with his class, right? And he he deals with those balls, like as I said, better than anybody. But he, when he makes the runs, they're not always feeding him. Like they, they rarely give it to him. Like well, like n- not as much as they should. It's almost like you know, Grealish and Barkley just love playing with each other too much, or they like you know trying to be a bit more uh, deliberate about it all. But sometimes Watkins is just there, and he never complains. He just you know he just comes back and makes another run again. But he. he He's free quite often, and I was wondering, he's going to get, start getting frustrated at some point. Not now, he's scored two, another two goals. No, I, I don't know if he will. I mean, that that's the life of a centre-forward. You make a lot of yeah. runs, and most of the time you don't get the ball. But the best thing about that is that he's, he's just got a, he's got a ridiculous array of skills. Like, you know, that, that turning and running behind is a very particular type of centre-forward normally. 
it's not normally somebody who's brilliant at holding up the ball. It's not normally somebody who's got an amazing first touch. It's not normally somebody who's got a great finish. Like, you know, th- th- those things don't normally all go together. They don't. Um, like, let's stick with the of all time section. The worst far decision of all time. And I, I'll tell you why, right? Because obviously, like, we've seen some stinkers. And to be honest, it's always a, a little bit of a trigger for me. You know, when I see Gary Lineker or Gary Neville and they're tweeting about VAR, and it's, they're often wrong. It's like the, the rule is your problem. This is exactly why you want the referee going over to have a look at it to take the technicality element out of it. So all Martin Atkinson has to do there is decide, is he really interfering with play? Like, has, like that's the question. Has he interfered with play? He hasn't. The, like, the keeper hasn't even, like, not one thought in his mind is, I need to complain about this because I didn't see it. He wouldn't have seen it anyway. McGinn roofed it. And the referee needs to look at that and, and have a bit of cop on that. That's what you want. You want them going over to the TV and then telling the boys, anybody who complains, Tell them to piss off because in a real life we would never be looking at this in the first place. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a really bad decision. And I think you're I didn't even think about that. Yeah, Leno doesn't react at all except to be disappointed that he's conceded a goal. He's he's so far he's in he's in front of him, all right, but he's so far away from him. Like, you know, everybody on the pitch is in front of the goalkeeper at some stage. He's about six yards ahead of the goalkeeper. He's he's not He's not interfering with him. He's in his line of sight, but every shot that comes out from you know that far out, somebody's in front of him. I, I, I thought it was a, I thought it was an absolutely shite decision. And yeah, Atkinson has to have a bit more cop on. There's a big problem with VAR. I think they get bogged down on looking at at one little detail and they take the whole context away from it. So they're you know they're checking if it's offside by a couple of millimeters. Then they're checking if he's directly in line of the goalkeeper's sight. Like it, it, that's the thing. They get they get far too focused on it without looking at the full play, looking what happened two seconds beforehand. Was there any advantage accruing to the to the forward? There wasn't. Barkley's run is terrible, so maybe Bond should have got punished for it anyway. But like, yeah, yeah it's ah, so annoying that that, that was cancelled because it was a brilliant goal as well. And that's it. Like you know, I, I know VR is is annoying sometimes. Like when 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 they're pulling up the lines and. But I don't mind that if you're looking just at pure offside, like yeah, like you know, the ball's played to somebody. Is he offside? You know, I I don't mind that. It's it's when you're bringing in that other element, which is more subjective, is like interfering with play. That that's a referee call, and like you know, I know again that the line thing is going to cause problems for people. But at least it's black and white, and everyone everyone knows where it's at. But look, we're not. I'm not going to turn a three 0 away win at Arsenal into a VAR chat. Fuck that. Um, the saddest moment of all time or the saddest call of all time was Sebelos looking for a VAR check for a corner for his shit shot at the end of the day <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, that was like you know banter arsenal back in the day like you know, come on man like grow up don't even need to get into that Leno made the luckiest save of all time with the Grealish one Grealish was laughing at him because Grealish knew you didn't have a bloody clue where that ball was yeah Grealish pulls back on the line and then unleashes one and Leno happened to lift his hand and it just hit it and went out for a corner Hook he made himself as big as he could that's what he has yeah. to do um, that, was, I, that would have been such a good goal as well it's a, it's a brilliant bit of combination play with Barkley and Grealish and Grealish I, I'm sure people looking at that might think that Grealish is being greedy there but the the runs of Trezeguet and Watkins are blocked off by the Arsenal lads and he has to take the shot on. He does brilliantly to turn back inside and yeah, Leno's in nets, I guess. <laughs> it's, 
Yeah, and like that, it's it's like seven times out of ten, he probably scores that as well. He, he, he hit it well. I think I think that was the the right play. And as you say, like when he's looking at Trezeguet, like that happens a few times. You know, uh, the, the the moment like Ross Barkley played a really nice ball to Trezeguet, it was blinded. He played it with his left, while Trezeguet came running down the right. Barkley mm. was in the box, but he only had to play that because Grealish refused to give it to Trezeguet. <laughs> Grealish didn't give it to his pal Barkley, who, by the way, let's let's talk. Like any picture I see from the Village Twitter account, it's only Barkley and Grealish chatting to each other. Like I think Barkley doesn't want to talk to anybody else except Grealish. <laughs> doesn't want to be associated with him just yet. But if you know, if we keep beating Arsenal three 0 they'll start chatting to the rest of the lads. I'm sure. It's <laughs> going to start cheering up again anytime soon. <laughs> uh, the worst piece of commentary of all time. Uh, the question went to Andy Townsend. Watkins and Barkley make things easier for Grealish, don't they? Townsend responds. It's showing you a picture of his socks pulled down now. Yeah, he, he does have shin guards on underneath him. <laughs> Get off the stage. Andy Townsend is... I've heard Andy Townsend, the commentator, be at a COCOM a few times. I don't think I ever realised how god-awful he is. Oh, my God. He doesn't. It's like he, so he seems like he's always reaching, reaching for a bit of a bit of banter or something, but he like he, he misses it by a mile every time, and he just doesn't understand football as well. It's bizarre. Like, he'll see three replays and not and still not know what happened. Yeah, like that's a really weird thing. Like someone who's played at the top for so long and was quite a good player, um, a centre midfielder, and they don't seem to understand. Like it's not only do they not understand football, they get decisions wrong, they look at replays wrong. They also always fail to recognize something good or important that's happened. You know, they, 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 they don't know when it's a good pass or a good interception. Like, it'll never get brought up again. And it's like, you have no idea how that has just shifted all the momentum in this match. And, and like, this is this is your main man. You're paying good money to, to highlight and illuminate something for people. And time after time, he's either missing it or just making a complete balls of it. Yeah, like he's captained Ireland and Aston Villa. <laughs> it's absolutely insane. Who is he inspiring? Uh, that that's a really good question. Like that that should be questions. We'll do that later for questions we can't answer. But probably will. <laughs> I probably won't. <laughs> probably won't. Yeah, but well, uh, we're going to analyze this match first. Villa are ruthless. No, look. Aston Villa have a lot of deficiencies. We talked about the how, how it would be really nice to bring real leaders in. Larson and Gareth Barry are really good examples because that's that's so clearly above, you know, maybe the type of leader that they have at the minute. They have defensive lapses in them, and obviously the depth is a big problem. But if you don't have every part of your defense set up against Villa, you're going to leak a big chance. Like there, there's no question whatsoever about that. And even at that. If you do have your defence set up, every time Villa commit to an attack, now they don't always do that, but every time they do commit to an attack, they're going to hurt you. Like, you know, they won't score all the time, but like, Villa are a dangerous, dangerous team. Like, and again, they have weaknesses, they have defensive lapses, so they won't win all the time, but they're a team that need to be taken seriously. Oh, definitely. I mean, Villa's Villa's first first 11 is, is very strong. They've got great players in, in every line of the field so they are if they whenever Villa play like that whenever they commit to it and all the players tonight gave it everything they were all running their socks off and they were all running back into position 
they were all digging each other out of holes, covering for each other. You know, there was a stage there for, for about three minutes because Arsenal kept the ball where Ollie Watkins was playing left left yeah. uh, wing, covering for Jack Grealish, who had to stay up front. You know, they were doing that so well. They all understood the role and the positions. And I just think I just think the setup tonight was was absolutely perfect for the game that was in it. And you're right, whenever Villa get that right, the players that they have, they're, they're a serious outfit. And it is that being tuned in as well, the whole game. It's, it's it's like playing Leicester and Arsenal away, bring it out to them. That's probably natural as well. But like nobody's switching off. Like they're all they're all totally committed to the game plan. And like tonight it was actually nice. Like you you're seeing a bit of flexibility going on. So they were playing an Arsenal in and they had like a uh, they were playing a like a four, two, three, one again in attack, but when they were in defensive shapes it was almost like a four, two, four that was shifting to two banks of four, so like a four, four, two, and you mentioned Watkins going out left like that was happening a few times where Barkley went out left sometimes as well and then Grealish was having a break from defending mm. so then you would always have two boys in the centre who were obviously working a bit less hard Trezeguet didn't he was always just doing the shift that was needed of him um, but just it's just really nice to sort of see that like you know how they're they're, they're almost setting traps and again like we can talk about Dean Smith but they're looking at teams and they're they're exposing them like you know tonight it was exposing Arsenal in a sense of what are you going to do to us? And the answer was very little. Yeah, I mean, like Arsenal, Arsenal played a three-four-three the whole way through the game. No matter what way it was, so Villa were in defence, just matched up for for midfield as well. And like once Partey went off, like Villa's Villa's midfield is way way better than Arsenal's. I mean, like John McGinn and Dougie are just much better players than Danny Ceballos and El Nani. Like they're not even comparable, and they absolutely destroyed them tonight. They were far too good for them, far too aggressive, far too good on the ball. They didn't care about being closed down by them. They just stepped beside them. And then Ross Barkley was obviously that great bit of help. Yeah, it was. It was two banks of four in defence, but when needed, Ross Barkley came back and made it a five as well at times. And that rotation, yeah, Trezeguet <laughs> made it a four and a half. Yeah, Trezeguet, yeah, exactly. But Trezeguet wasn't given the the luxury of having a rest. It was always over on the other side. <laughs> like Jack, you rest whenever you need to. Trez, you're up and down all day, boy. Yeah, and it's good that he understands that as well. Um, but here's one: Villa Villa defend badly when they're deep. I think so. There was a chance there, and again, this was when it was one 0 But Holden had a chance, and I thankfully fell to Holden, but. It gets played in from the left. It, it's on the ground. It's just a skittery enough ball. It shouldn't get through so many bodies. Holden has a marker, like he's holding them off with his right hand, and he, you know, he tries to bend it around, but it goes around the post. If you freeze frame it there, there are three or four Villa players, and I'm pretty sure it's four, that are completely useless to what's happening. And this was a slow Arsenal attack, but Villa have everybody back, and they've like you know just been a crossing. It's got head of clear. And they're all so slow. Like, Watkins is actually talking to somebody as they're walking back out. You know, and the ball's still in play. And then just, like, at, at the edge of the box and on over towards the left of, of Villa's, like, so how Villa are looking at it, there's just a lot of players who aren't c- contributing to this. And, like, that that's a moment there where it's, like, you know, you talk about defensive shape and being tuned in, but then you also need a bit of intensity and a bit of cop on as well. Like, that's, we talked about it last week, Mings and Konza need to be asking like Watkins and Barkley what, what are you doing like shift over put pressure on get, get back in here you're doing nothing for us right now where you're at and just I was a bit worried with that especially when it was 1-0 for so long yeah and that was um 
and it was the big centre half Gabriel as well. Like crossed that in, like so it was. If had we conceded from that, it would have been particularly galling. Oh. But um, yeah, I, that was at the start of the second half. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure it was. And Villa were really bad for the first ten minutes of the second half. They just didn't. They weren't. They weren't switched on. It was. Yeah. I mean, Villa. Villa had it quite easy in the first half. Lacazette had that header, but Arsenal were absolutely shite. So. It's really hard. Like whenever you're playing against a team, you're playing really badly, and you have a fifteen minute break. It's really hard to come out and match the intensity that you you need to be playing with, and you need something to spark you into it. And I think Villa were sparked into it by that chance. Do we owe Matt Target an apology, Liam? Why do we owe Matt Target an apology, Connor? <laughs> there are people calling for it. <laughs> Look, I'm I'm not I'm not going to cave if you don't want to cave, but um. What, you know, what, what would I be apologising for? <laughs> if, 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 hang on, hang on. If by the end of this podcast, I say that Matt Target had a bad game tonight, then I'll apologise for that. <laughs> but every time I've said Matt Target was shite, it was shite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice cross tonight for the goal. Um, he, he contributed in attack. He had a bit of energy. He, uh... Defensively sound, as my buddy Steve takes me, saying Matt Target's going home tonight with a little William in his pocket. <laughs> yeah, that, like to be honest, Matt Target, everybody was brilliant. Uh, sorry, that's not me yeah. shying away from saying that Matt Target was brilliant. Matt Target was was really good tonight. He was he was brilliant. I mean, the second goal, or sorry, the first goal was um, it, it was a really good goal. It was so it was so strange. The three lads were out there on the left wing for what seemed like four or five minutes. There was a stage where Ross Barkley was just standing on one leg. Just, it was just like hop, his other leg hovering beside the yeah, ball. I was, thought my stream had frozen on the stream. <laughs> <of> the, uh, <laughs> I thought the whole picture had just stopped because Grealish, like, they were all just standing there. Yeah, it was, it was so slow. When I texted you during the week about some other games saying... It's amazing if what can happen whenever you just play the ball quickly. You'll create a lot of chances. <laughs> Villa's first big chance of the game, apart from the goal that shouldn't have been disallowed, was whenever they slowed the game down to like walking pace. Arsenal were dreadful. and the, But even Target as well seemed to have been confused by it. And he was just caught inside in the middle then as well. And on then he plays him onside because he doesn't get out quick enough. But um, it was a good cross. Yeah, he played it across the box well. Let's not forget what happened after that. His pathetic limp celebration. Do you see it? Just no commitment in the celebration. He did this little pathetic double fist pump and then just kind of stood there. He didn't even run over to Trezeguet. He just stood there. No, I, I'm going to I'm going to defend him for that. I did I did notice that. Yeah, he sort of he had two fists up, but I didn't celebrate whatsoever for that goal because I was thinking Somebody's somebody's offside. Var's going to fuck this over like it's ruining my whole life. Like I, I, I just didn't react whatsoever to that goal. And it was only like two minutes later I turned around and I was like, "Hey, Lynn Villa one nil up." <laughs> she didn't care. But you know, so I'm going to give him a pass for that because I think he might have been just expecting that to be pulled back. Well, then he shouldn't have played the cross if he thought Trezeguet was offside. <laughs> Look. <that's-> <laughs> <laughs> Matt Target has had a really good game of all we're picking on as a celebration. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lazy celebration. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
no, he was brilliant. He was brilliant. And even at the end, he was, you know, he was putting in tackles. He was complaining to the referee that he didn't call one back. He did have a lot of fight and a lot of bite tonight. He was, it was really, really good stuff from that target. It was. Um, like that, actually, that, that goal that you talked about, that first goal, it was really strange because initially as well, target goes running beyond because Grealish tried to, Barkley tried to, and then they're all just standing mm. there. Target goes beyond, but it's, it's so slow. Like He's just sort of meandering in there thinking, should I be here? Barkley gives it to him, then they end up coming back out. And then, yeah, as you say, he just finds himself there because William and Elneny just they get dragged. But it, it does show, like, even when a team have have players set up like you can sheepdog them out of the way and it's a nice pass from Berkeley and a nice pass from from Target Douglas Louise's ball got completely overlooked by the commentators for the second goal a- amazing volley across from Berkeley like an unbelievable technique and of <laughs> Watkins yet again is just in the right place he sprints in he pushes somebody out of the way he's coming in with him to give himself that space and he like I think that's two goals now he scored with a diving header in the six yard box three won the league cup um, like that's that's not a coincidence no, absolutely not. Yeah, you're right. I mean, <laughs> Dougie did get did get overshadowed a bit there. Um, I mean, for for Barkley to control that volley, never mind to control it as a perfectly delivered cross, was just absolutely incredible. But Dougie's like, yeah, he's a it's a fifty yard raking ball dropping over the top of two centre halves' heads onto your attacking midfielder. It was brilliant. That like that was that was the you know a a worthy assist in itself. But um. Yeah, and I, and I, I talked about um, Ollie Watkins as well. As soon as that ball goes over the shoulder and he sees that Barkley's there, he's sprinting. He's getting in between the two centre halves and he's just, yeah, he's winning that header and he's scoring a goal. And that's that's one of my favourite things about a man of many talents. The third goal is Martinez to Grealish to Watkins. And I, I would just like to see that combination more. Like that, that's that, that's football. Martinez to Grealish to Watkins. That, that's all you need sometimes. And lovely finish as well from Watkins. Um, there was a one nitpick, not about that goal, just Mings tidied up. He was the only person, remember, who, well, I was trying to push him up on the diamond meter that's coming up uh, last week. He had a good game last week. He had a good game tonight, but tied it up a few times really well, like, you know, pushing people out of the way. But there was one with Niketia, and, like, he's strong, right? He's a stronger person. That's why he initially gets the ball back. But then he loses it again, and the ball comes back in, and it's, it's almost a goal for Arsenal. And it's like, He's, he's come out of position in the left back to push him out of the way and get the ball. And then he's sort of pushed off it. And it's like, when you go, when, like when it's Mings of all people, when he's your main centre-back is going into that position, that needs to be it. Like, there, there can't be anything else to talk about. Mings is gone. This this whole situation is being read out. Like, mm. it needs to be a done deal. And, like, you know, I know I'm, like, I'm holding the high standard there, but he is the person who needs to be held to high standard. And you just can't have your main centre back going out and then sort of feebly. He didn't get pushed off the ball. I don't know what happened. He just. It, anyway, he went and he didn't deal with it. <laughs> and then Arsenal had a chance. And took, I just don't like seeing that. He read, he read the, the, the run, the touch that Nakeria was trying to take, and he intercepts it. But he takes a really bad touch and it comes kind of back towards the box for himself. And, yeah. and then he gets pushed off the ball because he's, he's off balance. Um, but even funny you say that actually, did you, Konza did that as well. There was one where he lost the ball. He was just out. If you were in a defensive shape, he would be the left winger, and he tries to pass the ball out to Grealish, and it's like Konza, you you can't. That ball cannot get intercepted. And the same thing happened again. I mean, if you're out of position, don't lose the ball, especially if you're the centre half. 
and he was so far out of position. I'm not even sure how it materialized. Um, but yeah, but Konza was at it as well. I I actually have that as one of the Peter Rankin and What the Fuck Awards, Ezra Konza, miscuing a four yard pass to Grudish on the left. And I just it's it's always when he's out of position that he does this. Like that that's the annoying thing. Like he's always so far away from being a centre back when he gives the ball away or do, or does something just has that lapse that that's in his game. That's it, it's definitely coming coming out of it. And maybe maybe that's maybe that is the psychological reason though. He just you know he's he's conscious of the fact that he can't fuck this up. And once you start thinking like that, sure as hell you are gonna fuck it up. Then you know once the doubt comes into your head, that's it. You're done. You do the thing you're thinking about not doing because you're yeah. thinking about doing it. I would suggest if you don't want to do that, then don't toe poke a four yard. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just give it to him. It's Grealish. Like just play it anywhere in his vicinity, and he'll he'll mop it up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, it was a good night. So we'll get into some WhatsApp winges. <laughs> We're going to start with the thoughts of the Villa podcast. Maybe it was just because I really didn't want to fucking lose to Leeds United. The lifting up of Patrick Bamford with one hand, I did enjoy that because Patrick Bamford is an unlikable character and he's probably been a bit of a twat to Tyrone Mings all game. He's nothing like that either, is he? He's a real. He's, like if you, he's uh, an uh, unlikable character. Like one of he's put on a foot. Patrick Bamford can't skin you. It's, it's not. It's not. He's not that type of player. It's not any game. Somebody put on a foot there. I felt all the pain. I imagine I probably sound as much of a, a biased, one-eyed idiot. Block the fucking shot. It was a fucking disaster. I did quite enjoy the hopelessness of their their grief with it, though, as well. Though, because they're like, not that it fucking mattered anyway. Sure, we were beaten anyway. Not that it fucking mattered anyway. Villa was shite. Like, there's there's nothing but space. Leeds are going to be spanked a few times this season. Make no mistake about that. I mean. They're they're really well coached. They're really aggressive. They're really adventurous. But the players are shit. <laughs> the, the key line is that we're we're well coached um, and very aggressive, but our players are shit. They're not either. They're not shit. I mean, that was great. That did have everything. The only downside those brummy accents, though. What's up, Winges? Gareth Southgate should be sacked as England manager tonight. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Well, to be fair, if it wasn't for Gareth Southgate, we wouldn't have got our third goal because he told Grealish to get more assists and goals. So <laughs> Don't don't even try it. Like, don't, like, I know you're joking, but that, like, that, that's just a trigger for me. I think that's an impeachable offence. Gareth Southgate trying to take credit. Actually, people are talking about Gareth Southgate trying to take credit for Grealish's form, which is one thing, and it's obviously ridiculous, but what form are you talking about the last, the last five years? Gareth, like, Gareth Southgate deserves nothing of any note about Jack Grealish. Jack Grealish is this good in spite of Gareth Southgate. Do you know what the most frustrating thing about all this is as well is because Villa aren't being watched as much in the media, and like you know all those things like Arsenal are the talking point tonight, even though Villa just won 3-0 to go into sixth yeah. and they've only lost two games, they've won five. You know, 
that that will sink into people's psyches. People will start to believe that because people are saying it. So there's a big load of people in the media who haven't even watched Villa and they'll say things like that and people will just believe it then. So then fans of Man United or Blackburn or whoever it is, you know, will just believe that Gareth Southgate is responsible for Jack Grealish being burned into football. Yeah, like the like the old Josie Mourinho classic. Like, you know, he's... He's made Martial hungry. He's like, well, you know, Martial was really good before before Jose Mourinho came. <laughs> <laughs> like he made him work for it. Like, uh, it's it's actually, we can we can talk we can talk all day about that. And Andy Townsend, I can't believe how much you're mentioning Andy Townsend, but he had also said like that he fell into that trap where he said, yeah, well, Grealish needs to do it now, like you know, consistently, you know, not not just five games in a row or whatever. Mm. <laughs> it's like, what again? What are you talking about? But then later on, after probably Andy Townsend watching him live for the first time in, in a while, starts talking about, yeah, Gareth Southgate said he's moving up the pecking order. I'm not sure what pecking order he's talking about. And then he yeah. starts criticizing Southgate for not using Grealish more. And it's like every time somebody watches him, you're, you're bang on, every time somebody watches him, they're going to realize, fuck, this guy is amazing. I got, a, I got another text message tonight actually from my old boss who would have heard me bang on about Grealish like I, I, I was working with him from 2014 to 2016 so I would have been mouthing off about him then when the, the whole Ireland thing was around and when people wanted him to play for mm-hmm. Ireland after he realised he was good and then he just texts like what's 2020 now and he's like Grealish fuck me and I like, I just I didn't I, I didn't take it like I was going to just say of course I told you this but I was like I'm not, I'm not going to be that person mm-hmm. and I just said yeah look Villa are really good <laughs> and then, <laughs> and he wrote back and Grealish, Grealish is ridiculous. And I, I just, I didn't respond. I have to step away from the phone now in the, on these situations. Who, who wins from it, really? Because I, I'm right, but who cares? Nobody cares. He doesn't remember, remember being me being right. And if he does remember, he doesn't care. No, but he just thinks you were being a blinkered Villa fan back then. But now yeah. he agrees with you. So you know, now, now you're right. But that's only because it's correct now. Grealish now is good. So yeah. No, you're right, but only by accident. Uh, uh, second WhatsApp whinge. This is a, an actual whinge. He, he needs to be docked a week's wages every time he fouls someone from behind in the centre of the goals for no reason. Wouldn't be. Wouldn't be our boy Dougie, would it? <laughs> it surely would. This time a little bit further out, so it wasn't a, a direct shot of goal. But yet another unnecessary foul. He can tackle. He can, he can make that tackle as well. He doesn't have to, have to foul him. And there's players there too. Like, don't worry about it. Relax. I just, he must just really enjoy taking the, taking the joy out of a, out of a centre forwards Sunday yeah. evening. I don't know what it is. Like, he just, he just can't resist a wee clip of the heels. I, I don't, I don't think that was in any way near the worst thing. The Dougie, who had a really good game, he was absolutely brilliant, front foot diving in, winning balls really high up. He was class tonight. But that wasn't that. Those fouls aren't the worst thing he did. Was his touch? No, it was his attempted back heel volley on the right wing. That's what I mean. Yeah, was, was that a volley? I thought he was trying to touch it with, like I thought he was trying to step over it and touch it, like in some sort of skillful way. No, he was trying to back heel volley it. <laughs> what the fuck was that? I like I, I just thought like what like why are you trying to touch it like that? Just bring it down. We're almost half time. Yeah, unbelievable. Exactly because it was it was like that was the last play of the game. If Douglas Louise controls that, Tierney comes out and just runs into the back of him. Free kick, Villa. End of the half. Let's go. We're 1-0 up. Go in there and get our wee orange slice. <laughs> so we're agreed. Two weeks wages. <laughs> uh, third one. There's only four of these. 
John McGinn has no respect for Craig Shakespeare. <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting that to end with Craig Shakespeare. <laughs> John McGinn has no respect for anybody else's crotch when he just froze his arson date or something like that. I don't know what it was going to be. Yeah, the water break in the second half. Craig Shakespeare trying to impart a bit of wisdom and he's being passionate about it. And McGinn continues walking away from him. And Shakespeare starts following him. And I don't know what he's saying or if he's annoying McGinn or whatever, but McGinn doesn't look at him and he just keeps walking, keeps drinking his water. I get that like all you want is a drink of water in that situation. You don't want any more instructions. You probably can't take any more in. Yeah. I don't know. If, if that was John Terry, I'd be jumping on him a bit more. But like, I told you, John Terry's a fraud. <laughs> we mentioned this last week. But because it's Craig Shakespeare, I'm like, hey, John, listen up. Listen up when Craig's talking to me. <laughs> Maybe John just wanted to get back out there because he knew how well he was playing. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, the last, the last one's funny, right? Because I, I actually thought this was a really reasonable one. I thought I was being dispassionate and like taking a step back and, and keeping a cool head. But now when I read it back, it's hilarious. It's such a shame we're not going to hammer them. Never mind win it. I think Arsenal will nick it, but but Smith definitely deserves some credit for tonight. There's no denying that. <laughs> <laughs> A rather, a rather somber WhatsApp win, you have to say, Conan. You, you've, you've never sent one of them to me. <laughs> <laughs> I did send it to somebody else, but um, yeah, it's, it's like it, it was one nil. Villa had a big purple patch. Um, I was thinking about. I was still, I was still like uh, reading from the McGinn goal earlier on. Like the whole time, I was like, this should be two 0 This should be two 0 Um, the Grealish save the the Grealish block as well on the line I was just like ah uh, you know there, there was just there, oh sorry the block from the corner the, the block on the line is when it was 2-0 but the block from the corner when he mm-hmm. followed it like he was almost about to score another goal from a corner yeah. and he thought this, this isn't to be our night Arsenal will definitely like you know get a goal and if they score early they'll definitely get a second one and I was trying to just make sure that I had marked the fact that Smith has set the team up in a way that they should be 3-0 up at least yeah. And I should remember that for when they lose as much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something to look back on. Um, yeah, no, like, like as we said, Villa were brilliant, and Smith definitely deserved to win that match. But um, I didn't. I was never. I was never worried. I think Arsenal are absolutely dreadful. Arsenal are a terrible team. I don't. I think if if there weren't so many Pep Guardiola nonces that really want. <laughs> Make Mikel Arteta to, to do well nobody would be talking about Arsenal except for the fact that they're shite Arsenal are not a good team even on paper like you go through the Arsenal team Tierney gets in the Villa team Aubameyang does like Partey does maybe like, but like, you're really you're really nitpicking then after that like Villa are a the better ahead of William Aubameyang gets in the right wing Conan because you're picking <laughs> Grealish and Watkins fair enough school <laughs> But like you know, they're they're not they're, Arsenal are are no big shakes at all. I mean, the Arsenal had a bit more off the bench than Villa tonight because Villa used all their subs before kickoff. Um, but uh, like Arsenal are not a good team. Well, well, here's actually this is a good one because um somebody asked me was that a was that a complete a more complete performance than the Liverpool match and initially I was like definitely because and you're right at two 0 I knew Villa had won and like <laughs> at five one the Liverpool match I was I was going to I was taking draw <laughs> I was settling for one point at that stage but 
I, I think it it is because Arsenal aren't they're nowhere near as good. Every time Liverpool attacked, they looked like scoring. Liverpool weren't bad in that game from an mm. attacking point of view. They were really bad defensively. Arsenal Arsenal were shit. Yeah, Villa made them look bad and Villa were class going forward. But Arsenal had nothing near to Liverpool to offer by way of going forward and nowhere like to put Villa under as much pressure. Yeah, and, and maybe to be fair, maybe we're not being as kind to, to Villa as we should be whenever I say that. Maybe Villa forced Arsenal to be shite. But like, yeah, at, at no stage was I worried about that game. Villa were just the better team throughout. Well, just listening to you there about the, the players that would get into the Villa team. Let's, let's squeeze in all our WhatsApp wins in. Who, who the fuck does Mikel Arteta think he is getting rid of Martinez? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Leno's a good keeper. Um, I don't know why. Oh, yeah, yeah, but like, Martinez wanted to leave, I assume. Like, Martinez knows that he's a brilliant goalkeeper as well. It's funny, on the third goal, whenever Martinez ca- catches the cross, I just thought, oh, thank God for that. Thank God that wasn't Nylon. Because Arsenal <laughs> looked like they were angry. They looked a bit dangerous after the second goal. And it was a good cross, but then just Emmy comes out to his full six foot three f- frame and just catches it so commanding. And I actually let out a huge sigh of relief. And then all of a sudden, they started running out to the edge of the box on a ball. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Emmy, where are you going? I thought the same. I actually, I was like, yeah, fucking like go down on that. Yeah. <laughs> I was really surprised he didn't drop. And then like, as soon as he doesn't drop, he sees that there's a, an opportunity here. And he started running. I was like, what are you doing, man? And then it was to Grealish, and I started calming down a bit. But oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, we're just two fucking losers. Like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Take the sting out of the game at all costs. Yeah. Pathetic. <laughs> all right, we got some categories next. I've got a new category, Liam. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> Short and sweet. Did Matty Cash get forward tonight? <laughs> the answer is yes. He got forward twice. One good cross, one bad cross. And that's it. I've got nothing else. To... <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to keep an eye on that. Matty Cash obviously had a fucking brilliant game tonight. We'll talk about that in a in a bit. Yeah. Um, uh, Matty Cash was brilliant. Yeah. If anyone didn't see last week's game, that's why that's why you're asking. I suppose he didn't get forward at all. Um, <laughs> Who am I picking on Matty? <laughs> keeping an eye on how many times he got forward. What a shit category. I think it's it annoys me because how many times was it tonight, Conan? Oh, just the three tonight, Liam. <laughs> Matt Target gets forward all the time, and then that's obviously annoying in itself because also, like, Grealish is that side, like, go away. Um, that's how he gets forward. Grealish has the ball, he beats a couple of men, and there's nothing but space. Trezeguet's yeah. just running up and down, doing laps at a pitch. It's <laughs> true. But, like, every time Cash goes forward, he's really exciting, and he doesn't do it enough. Like, well, it has, hasn't in the last two games and like he was mad working Aubameyang tonight anyway <laughs> <laughs> the Peter Eichelman what the fuck award we mentioned as we concept. I only have one more nomination you can add in if you want uh, the John McGinn pass back do you blame him or do you blame Martinez for that Jesus I forgot about that Christ what a good night that was um, no it was definitely John McGinn it was weird because Tyrone Mings they're all they're just farting around with a ball for no reason yeah. Like, I don't know what they were doing. They were just they were just so slow, turning around, coming back, passing the ball around aimlessly. Had they conceded from that, it would have been really annoying because it was a big mistake from John McGinn. 
but it would have been so pointless as well. It's not like it was because they were sticking to a philosophy of playing out from the back or anything like that. It was just stupid, ponderous football from the three of them. But John McGinn actually straight after that goal got chalked off was really reckless and bad for a couple of minutes. He was. He, he got it back together, but yeah, and that was the that was the peak of it. I think that's when he when he got his, got his act together again after that. But Jesus, that was dreadful. I'd actually forgotten about that thing. A, re- a really bad crossfield ball, like a cutout, led to an attack. That ba- pass back, yeah, he was, he was, he was suggesting Martinez needs to come out quicker. And even when he passed it, he was like sort of saying, "Come on!" But like, yeah. I think he's really doing that because then his reaction to his, his bad pass. No, Martinez needs to be standing back there so he's got room to hit the ball as well. Couple of scary moments, just isn't it? Like, like I've got, I think McGinn wins just ahead of of, of Kanza. Um, for the for the Rosenthal Award, the Ronnie Rosenthal Award, I've got lack of shit in here. Um, for him, <laughs> for a terrible header. Did you did you notice? Um, Matt Target slid on his arse after that header. I don't know what he was doing. But again, maybe I'm just hypersensitive to everything Matt Target does. But like Lacazette should definitely score. He hits it over for no reason. Yeah, like Target Target falls asleep. I'm just glad we've gotten back to slagging off Matt Target. But uh. <laughs> Uh, you could probably give him this this award as well, could you not? You know, if if, if Lacazette won it, wins it, then we have to give it to Target because we're not going to post off the the t shirt or the cup or whatever it is we sent to all the players whenever they win these awards. The, <laughs> an Arsenal player, so we're going to have to give it to Matt Target. For some reason, when you said that, I was like, "Shit, I need to, I need to, I need to sort these cups out." <laughs> I haven't even done this, but like, I think that's generally just because. Uh, my nerves are up now a little bit just thinking about that chance thinking about the, the John McGinn thing you mentioned I think he wins the, I, I think he wins the Peter Enkelman award as well and like mm. thinking about you mentioning Samagol and fucking Nyland twice already in this podcast <laughs> <laughs> give it a rest like you know, stop stop dragging me back and that was only a few months ago the, the, I've got one more nomination actually for the Ronnie Rossenthal award it was uh Ross Barkley again, like this game was one 0 for ages, so you have to remember that. And there, there was one time Watkins got to the byline, pulled back really well, like really did when he was a bit further out, so he couldn't shoot. And he he finds Barkley really well in the box, and Barkley takes a touch and then tries to put it onto his right, and it's like, how much time do you want, man? Like just mm. the ball can speed up for you, about fifteen yards out, smash it. Yeah, it was bad, but yeah, like I said, has to win. It was it, that was a big big turning point. Big, big turning point and a big, big, big miss for a centre forward as well. It cost 60 million quid. All right, I'll get going on that cup then for Lacazette. Thanks very much for that. <laughs> the Weiman meter. Here we go. Going up. Mahmoud Trezeguet. Um, uh, this must be a record of going up now for this man. Uh, I'll give you one just little thing that I thought of about Trezeguet. Before half time, he read a corner really well. He went out of position, out of his own, got his head to it and cleared it. The ball gets headed on again by Watkins, I think, towards centre-back Versnel, who's around the halfway line. They then try to lob a ball back out left towards Aubameyang, who's free. Trezeguet is the one who makes it out to the right wing now to head it clear away from Aubameyang. And I was like, wow, Like he's just headed the corner clear. He's gotten straight back out to position. There was also a moment later on, you probably heard him talking about Trezeguet being down injured. And then he just gets up and barges over Elmeni. And he's, you know, he's just, just didn't stop. Tonight and like I, like I mentioned earlier, he knows the crack with Barkley. He's willing to he's willing to compensate for what Barkley's not going to do, mm. <laughs> and, and he he'll he'll do his running for him. 
Yeah, I think even even if Trory wasn't injured, Trezeguet would have started tonight, and he and he would have justified it as well. He was he was absolutely brilliant, and that one was class. Where he was, we'll say he was injured for a brief period of time, uh, <laughs> and then whenever Arsenal win the ball back, he's he's injury recovered, and he's sprinting back out of back out of uh, the edge of the box and just runs into Saka and knocks him over. It was class. Um, now he was brilliant. He was all over the pitch tonight and he was he was absolutely deserving of his rise in the vitamin meter. Ah, good man, Trezeguet. Um, the Oli, like, but he's a perfect example for Andy Vyman thing as well. Like, the, as we talked about, it's I, I, I can never hate you, the Andy Vyman meter. And Trezeguet isn't the most talented person in the world and we'll do enough crying about him on this podcast and we have, but he'll give us everything and on nights like tonight, like, it clicked for him, and all that work rate is just so vital for the team, and it, you can see its place so clearly. Um, so thank you to Egypt for, for Amu and Trezeguet. Um, this, like, these notes haven't aged really well, so I've got Ollie Watkins down here for going up. Obviously, he's going up anyway, but I had written down one moment, like so this is before he got his two goals. Um, McGinn tried to run through three Arsenal players, and it was clear that you know, he was going to lose the ball if he kept going. So he sort of pulled back, but then for some reason decided he'll try again anyway. He mm. fell flat in his face. Arsenal broke. <laughs> Danger. You know, McGinn's crying, looking for a free. It's nowhere near a free. Trezeguet, obviously, comes charging in another picture. Starts, like, making his way back. And Ollie Watkins is coming with him, toe for toe. Just what you mentioned, he's going over to the left sometimes. But when he sensed that somebody was out of position, like, McGinn has just fallen. He's been taken out of the game. Watkins, their centre forward, was flying back, and remember he still hasn't scored. I'm thinking, is he frustrated that his runs aren't being aren't being found, and he's just getting right back into defence to help out. No, he's just incredibly well clued in, and he's got an insatiable appetite for work. He's he's just a, he's a fantastic, fantastic player. Um, <clears throat> there was a couple of times as well where he was yeah he was he was so far deep on the left wing as well, putting in tackles, and he had decent instincts as well. Maybe he knows what good movement is from himself, and he can he can figure out where the centre forward's going to go. But he's really he's really clued in. And there's no you, you wouldn't worry about him being on the left wing, especially because you're normally used to seeing Jack Grealish there, who you would worry about. Yeah. <laughs> well, does he still go up even though he's admitting afterwards that he's an Arsenal fan? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dolly, just you know, calm down, mate. <laughs> yeah, he really he could have so easily sidestepped that as well. He yeah. could have he could have just said something really bland, like, yeah, there's a lot of Arsenal fans in my family. Well, in Neely's colours to the mast. The interviewer teed that up for him. The interviewer said about your your family and your granddad, and then like, and then he he repeated that going, yeah, yeah, my family, my granddad are Arsenal fans that uh, don't think they be too happy. I'm an Arsenal fan as well. I was like, shut the fuck up, get him off the screen. It just it just shows you how confident he is. He just knows how well he played tonight and how we're gonna still love him anyway. <laughs> we're still going up the lima meter regardless. Yeah. I've got I've got one more. Obviously, like like in, in reality, everybody's going up. Um, but like the three that I think are going up more so than others on the diamond meter. And as we said, Grealish doesn't count on this. Uh, Matty Cash, mm. Christ Almighty! Like it's it's like uh, Fred Gilbert on steroids. Just like you know, this this we we got this really good ball player who's really athletic and. And like you know, again, this this is why you've got that category there. Has Matty Cash gotten forward tonight? Because you know, what that's what we want to see from him as well. That's what we're we're expecting to see. Mm. But I didn't know he was going to be this good a defender, and he's he's tough as well. He's 
he's a bit of a scumbag as well on the tackle. It's, it's great. Like not 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 like Neil Taylor, where it's reckless and he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna break somebody's leg. He is just going into every tackle of everything he has, and it's clean. Like, most of the time, it's not a foul. Yeah, it's 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 incredible. Was it was it the it was two two free games ago where it was just it, it was just incessant tackling of just perfectly timed you know yeah. on his arse tackles and it's so easy to get them wrong but he never does it's insane like he does like he times those tackles so well um like Matt, Matt Cash was brilliant tonight I'm so glad for him as well because he had a tough game the last day out um and he was taken off and everything for for Elmo but it was, it was just great to see him back tonight especially because he's playing against such an elite footballer as well and yeah. he was you know, he was absolutely fantastic this reminded me of the time uh, it's a little different but you said when Villa went out to play Liverpool they just told Barkley Dougie and McGinn go you out and take on Liverpool's midfield man for man you're as good as them and like what that must have felt like tonight Matt Cash who's been pulled up from the championship with Nottingham Forest thrown into right back last season he's now told go out and don't let Aubameyang win that game for Arsenal. And he's just nailed it. He's coming back in though, thinking, like, I, I bet, uh, maybe just after Watkins, but I bet he is the one that Dean Smith has the most praise for tonight in the changing room. He's definitely pulling him aside. Mm. Him and Shakespeare and Terry and whatever. Uh, and they're thinking, fuck, he did it. Like, you're you're the big reason for why we, we were so dominant tonight. Yeah, we've come a long way from our right back celebrating winning a goal kick. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out it's a 90 minute game <laughs> uh, Tim Sherwood we played two number 10s and bamboozled them award <laughs> uh, this is a little meta because it's something we've given out about before but now it's actually a good thing in a way no subs <laughs> so I'm giving Dean Smith credit for for the lack of subs that we're making we brought on El Ghazi earlier on or later on very late on I think it was 88th minute and mm. He'd probably give away a penalty that nobody wanted to look at again, thank God. Um, it's pretty clear that this is by far the best team. And yeah, there's no getting away from that. Carahan is definitely being hard done by, but he's playing the best team. And, and like, you know, you weren't going to take Barkley off tonight. No, he's playing the best team for for everybody. And like Hurahan doesn't fit the system now anymore. Um like and and, and like we said like, during the Liverpool game or the Leicester game, sorry. Um Connor Hurahan was not the man for that game. Like it was, it was too intense. There was too much running power needed. Like Dougie and McGinn are just absolutely perfect centre midfielders. Whenever you're playing four four two in a defensive shape, like they're they've got so much energy and willingness to cover space. Um, that Connor Hurahan, as much as I love him, doesn't give you. So like it's it's going to be very it's going to be a very long season for Connor Hurahan, I think, because he's just a completely different type of player. And sometimes, you know, that just doesn't work. I can't see a situation where he's going to be brought on because playing the players that he's playing gets the best out of all the other players as well because it frees up space. Or, you know, Jack Grealish can afford to, to take a few more risks because he knows he's got so much energy and power beside him and inside him. So it's going to be a tough season for Conor Huron, I think, which is, which is upsetting. Well, he's going to get a game on the 28th of December, if he can hold tight then. That's we got Fulham again? <laughs> no, <laughs> close. We got Chelsea, where Barkley can play. Oh, right, okay, okay. Jesus, we might have to give him a few minutes before then. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but then sure the transfer window is coming for the next game so yeah, so, uh, yeah could be a very long season for him. And, and yeah hard done by because people keep mentioning like he got a goal and assist in his last day out so um yeah, it's tough, but it's 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 going well. Like you can't, you can't argue with this the way the way they're playing. Never mind the results. Uh, one more I've got for this. Per- <laughs> and again, it's sort of a uh, again, it's a criticism that we've had a lot. But uh, and this is relative. So persistent with Matt Target, and I don't mean that. Like again, like but we were right. Like Matt Target was bad all those times. You, you need a call out. But I, I had gotten so frustrated that I was thinking. Right, let's just play Gilbert left back. Let's play Elmo left back. Like slowly but surely, Target is getting back to being all right, and he's definitely our best left back option. You know, if 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 say Dean Smith, <laughs> listen to my WhatsApp winges, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if he is listening to them. Like he he might have thought, yeah, actually, I, I won't play Matt Target. I'll play Connor Hurahan left back instead. <laughs> <laughs> I think I suggested that, like you know, like anybody would have been better. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like persistent with him, I mean, is the best left back. Like we have to we have to accept that. I, I mean, you're very quick to turn here, and a, and a very a very easy night for him tonight. <laughs> I mean, Willian was dreadful, and yeah. and then Bellerin's playing playing uh, right wing back, and he's he hasn't come back the same. But uh. It's funny actually because I was doing the dishes there <laughs> during the week, and for some reason it popped into my head. I just thought, <laughs> could they play Elmo left back? <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Yeah, and then I thought, geez, I better never tell Conan that because then I'll start sounding as mental as he does. <laughs> I already had these thoughts long ago. <laughs> um, right, questions we can't answer, but probably will. If you consider the plus and minus XG, so expected goals, is Ross Barkley worth the hassle? <laughs> so, like, you know, for what he's giving you going forward, and, and this is, like, not just tonight, but just overall, is is it worth what what you're missing in defence? And, like, it's not even what you're missing in defence. It's, like, so many times he's a bad touch. And, like, he just never, never goes back. He gets, never gets back into position. Never mind goes after it. Um, he just he just takes himself out of the out of the game and waits for the ball to be turned over. There was one stage tonight where Villa were defending, and it looked like they had turned it over. And you could see where he was like setting himself. He turned his body forward. This is the edge of the box, and he was getting ready to sprint. Mm. And then when they they didn't keep hold of the ball, he just stopped again and started walking around. <laughs> it's like no, stay alive. Like you're, <laughs> so, what do you think is is it worth is it worth the hassle? I think. Ross Barkley is so good at making late runs, it's insane. Yeah. Like, he's absolutely incredible at it. The amount of times that Jack Reedy finds him, and he's just running into the box, unimpeded. It's it's an absolutely incredible trait. Um, there was one stage, Joe, talking about his defence, where Villa were defending in Arsenal's box, where, like, they had them penned in, and <laughs> yeah. Leno had the ball at his feet, and he, he didn't know where they, where they play it. And Ross Barkley was just standing on the, on the penalty spot, looking at all this development. He wasn't doing anything. He was just—he was just forward. He just hadn't got out of the box yet. Like he wasn't nearly press. He was just in the box. It was fucking bizarre. Yeah, like this—this this is what I'm thinking. This is why I'm almost um, thinking the Trezeguet needs to play if you want to play Barkley because he understands that now. The rest of them might not. Like Trezeguet doesn't even get on to him. Like Trezeguet is actually quite vocal. You can—you can tell him. You can tell he's shouting and pointing and stuff in defense. 
because obviously that's his strong point. But you know, he's uh, he's not doing that with Berkeley because he's not <laughs> expecting him to do it. So he's like he, again, he's trying to compensate for that. But that is like you can see Greedy's at one stage to close down Leno, and that we have them because now he has to pass it out to the edge of the box where mm. my centre attacking midfielder should. <laughs> And I don't know where Berkeley was, but Greenish yeah. threw his hands up. For fuck's sake, I just spread the length of the pitch pressure. I, I remember that one. Yeah, Greenish does a little kind of skip into the air with his hands. Yeah. As well. Like he's like, ah, yeah, but that that one. In the, I bet, like, look back at that. It was, it was, it was so confusing because it went to the two fullbacks a couple of times as well. And he's just standing there watching. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, what is it about Jack Greenish that makes Gareth Southgate feel so insecure about himself? See, he, he backed himself into a corner. It was so clear so early on that Jack Grealish should be in the England team. And and Gareth Southgate didn't do it. Yeah, but why? Like, but why? Like, you're right. Like, that's definitely a big element of it. But if you go back to that point first, why did he not do it then? I don't know. Did Maybe Grealish not make them an under-21 training or something. I don't know. Like, it, it, is, it is confusing. There's no way... There's no way he can't tell that. Well, like, what am I talking about? Of course, like, why am I trying to give? Why am I trying to assume that Gareth Southgate knows about football? There's no evidence to suggest that he picks England squads with seven right backs in them. <laughs> but why are we trying to figure this out? He doesn't understand that Jack Grealish is good at football because he's a shit manager. Well, I've got two suggestions. <laughs> um, number one is that he has a real complex about alpha males. Because he's obviously not an alpha male, but then I was thinking like there's obviously some alpha males, and like you know even Jordan Henderson. Uh, there's not a lot though, in fairness, in the England squad. I know the I know the the game and the world has changed, but also the, the other suggestion is like yeah, you mentioned like maybe not making him underage training. Maybe he had a bit of a lack of respect. Like I, I'd say really, she's going up to England under twenty one, thinking like I'm going to go way further than you in this thing. So go away. Like you do not need to give me instructions. Just play me, and like I'll play, and you'll get your little, your little championship job after this. <laughs> um, like Grealish could not have foreseen that Southgate would be called into the, the seniors. Um, there's obviously all sorts of reports as well. Like you know, maybe Grealish wasn't the best professional around then as well. So maybe that's blinkered Southgate. But this goes back to the championship, and Grealish was obviously amazing. But Southgate said it needs to be a Premier League player. No problem calling on Mason Mount straight away, based on like the championship, basically. But he said he, he said that whenever Callum Hudson Odoi was in the squad. Yeah, he, he had no Premier League experience either. He yeah. was he was on, he was getting paid by Chelsea, but he wasn't playing for them. So like it's it's either the Elsa Mail thing, it's something that happened in England the Rage, or he just he just panicked and backed himself so far into a corner that he found it hard to get out of. Yeah, I mean like. England do have a lot of options on the left wing, and if he genuinely can't see that Grealish can play number eight, then again, that's just further evidence to the fact that Gareth Southgate's a, t- a terrible manager, or even just that he's something different. Like, you know, exactly. Greenwood, Rashford, Sancho and Sterling are all fairly similar. Grealish, Grealish is a different type of left winger. Like, yeah, he, has to, he has to be in the squad. He has to be in the team. Like, it's, it's, I, I can't explain it. it. It's just, it's so apparent to me that Jack Grealish is one of the best players in the country. Never mind one of the best English players in the country. Yeah, how, how many uh, text messages? This is a new one. Do you think Southgate sent Mason Mount tonight? 
keep the head up, Mason. I know, I know Jack played well tonight, but don't worry. Your place isn't under threat. <laughs> yeah. so that was my first thought, thinking, I was like, nah, he, he wouldn't do that. He wouldn't be so obvious about that because he wouldn't want Mason Mount feeling, feeling bad about himself, which that, that would be implying. Mm. So I thought what he would actually be doing is texting him, like, like, you know, as if Mount is one of his leaders, you know, just being like, what do you think of this game tonight? Interesting, the shape the Villa have there, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> just, just bringing him into the conversation to let him know you know, you're my guy. Like, I'm not even going to mention Grealish here. We'll, me and you are going to talk talk football right now. What do you think about that Irish guy they're playing on the left wing? <laughs> so clearly a left winger, isn't it? <laughs> uh, last one. Have you changed your prediction from 10th to 14th? You said Villa are going to finish 10th to 14th. That's going to happen this season. But like I said at the start, we have to start accepting the Villa are very good. I said 9th to 14th. I... You said 9th to 14th last week, and I didn't pull you up on it. You, you, you slipped that under the mess, and I thought, I'll let him have it. Yeah, and, and maybe next week I'll say 8th to 14th, and I'll go on it. And I'll keep passing it off. Like I've always said, Villa will finish between 2nd and 14th. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> no, I haven't. I don't. I don't think I've changed my prediction yet because it is a huge worry that yeah, like I said earlier, before the game kicked off, we used all our subs. You know, it, like that is that is a problem, and it it's only going to get worse because you know Villa have been quite lucky that it was Bertrand Trori's the only injury they've had. Yeah, but, you know injuries are common. They're they're common for everybody, and Villa aren't going to escape that particularly because they're playing the same eleven players every week. That's actually a very good point. It's like, I wouldn't even say target because I, I don't want Neil Taylor playing so much, you know, so like Trorori, even over Trezeguet is the one person you would have picked to get injured. Obviously, you wouldn't pick anybody, but yeah, that, that has been a very lucky, a lucky point. If you look at what happened to a lot of other teams, like, you know, already so many injuries. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe you're right. But like, but again, like we, we had a we had an incredible summer in the transfer market, so we might have an incredible January. Maybe they didn't get some deals that they were trying to get done. Like, um, Dean Smith mentioned towards the end of the window that they still wanted to get a midfielder and a forward in. Yeah, and they only got Barkley in. So maybe there was a forward that they that they thought they were going to get and didn't that they might go back for. I mean, there's there's loads of holes in the squad. I mean, Villa could buy an all eleven players to back up the current eleven essentially. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of players. If Villa bought a player in any position except right back, I wouldn't raise an eyebrow at it. I'd be like, that makes sense. They need a player for there. But, mm, I, but th- I think we had this conversation the very one of the very first podcasts. What what about? Well, I'll definitely be surprised if they bought a keeper as well. <laughs> <'Cause they got laughs> Tom, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom Heaton and Jed Steer. But what about striker? Because Wesley's coming back as well. Yeah, and like I said at the start of the show, once you see Ollie Watkins, you really realise that Wesley's no good. <laughs> no, you said Samigal, and I accepted that. <laughs> <laughs> no, like like those boys, they're just not they're not at the pitch. Like if, if Villa, or Villa, like I've always said, if they're going to finish between fourth and fourteenth this season, <laughs> they're like we're going to need somebody better than Wesley as backup. Yeah, no, that that's. That's probably right. 
Uh, yeah, I would like obviously would like a, another centre forward. I mean, th- there's there's positions where where there's clear need for you know players over all our positions. We need a left back, we need a centre back, we need a centre midfielder, and we need another general forward. I think. Yeah. Th- those are the priorities, as in every line of the pitch. <laughs> so again, it comes back to we don't need a right back and we don't need a keeper. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, consistent. <laughs> But it's uh it's been another bloody fantastic night. Dean Smith was talking before the before the game about you know having an opportunity to set a, a club goal scoring record for the season, and I was like, "Fucking yes, Dean, get this into my veins." This is before the match, and I thought, regardless of what happens tonight, let's let's do it. Like I'm buzzing about this. They went and scored another three goals. They won their third away match of the season, three in a row, the first time to do that. I think uh, they've got a game in hand to go top. Aston Villa, we have it back. I don't, I, I, I don't know how to finish these anymore because I feel like they've been, they've become so cheesy because it's been such a good season. But um, enjoy it and like enjoy another international week that we have ahead. Like I've never looked forward to international breaks as much as beating Liverpool seven two and beating Arsenal three nil away. If you like the show, please subscribe. Please rate it. Give it a nice review. Actually, don't. Don't rate it if you're not going to give it five stars. Don't give it a review if you're not going to say it's class. <laughs> you know, well, you wouldn't be listening this far if you didn't think it was that good. So if you are listening and you're a regular listener, yeah, don't be afraid to, to give it a wee review and uh, let us know what you think. Get in touch with us on Twitter, at The Villa Podcast, and we're on Instagram as well. Find us there. So thanks very much for listening, and we'll chat to you soon. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.